stuff coming too. We've got some exciting things to share with you uh, in, the, in the weeks ahead. Uh, I wanted to wait till fall break was over and we have uh, more of our folks back in the room to announce some things to you. But we've got some exciting things to announce to you in the weeks ahead as we run in to 2015. So we're looking forward to sharing those with you. Romans 14. Romans 14. So we're going through the book of Romans and we've come to this section where Paul is dealing a lot with our relationships with each other. And, and more specifically for us as Christians, he's talking to us about how to navigate relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And the reason why Paul spends so much time in this section of Romans talking about that is because it's so important to God. Uh, you know, we've talked here already about worshiping God and how do we worship God and we can worship God in many ways. And one of the ways we demonstrate our worship of God is through our relationships with each other. In fact, I want to start sort of in the middle of this chapter and work out because sort of uh, everything that Paul says here, giving us principles, if you will, or uh, precepts to guide us in our relationships with each other is sort of founded on these verses beginning uh, in, if I get the right place here, Romans chapter 14, beginning at verse 7. I'd like to direct your attention there. Where Paul says, none of us lives for himself and none of us dies for himself. Now, some people have looked at this verse and they've sort of interpreted it as, well, what that means is that everything I do or don't do affects somebody else. That may be a biblical principle and that may be taught other places in scripture, but that's not in the context what this is saying. What this is saying is that our lives do not as Christians belong to us. Our lives as Christians belongs to God. Every breath that we breathe does not belong to us. It belongs to God. And if you doubt that interpretation, just keep reading because that's exactly what Paul goes on to say. He says, if we live, then we're to be living for the Lord. If we die, we are to die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. We belong to him. Paul said this in other places. For instance, in the book of second Corinthians, where he says we were bought with a price. Therefore, we are not our own. We are God's. Then he goes on to say in verse nine. And I think personally, this is the key verse of the entire chapter. If you don't focus on another verse, meditate on another verse, think about another verse out of Romans 14. Think of Romans 14, nine, where Paul makes this dramatic statement. He says, for this reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he may be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Notice he's not saying Christ died and went through that death on the cross and returned to life so that he could be the savior of all the dead and living. That's not what he said, did he? No, he said that the purpose of Christ dying on the cross And returning to life in his resurrection was to be the Lord of both the dead and the living. That he is the one to rule our lives. He's the one to be in control. And one day, everyone is going to acknowledge that, whether we do here on earth or not. Because Paul said to the Philippians in Philippians 2, 10 and 11, 
that God has given him a name that is above every name, Jesus. And that one day at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is what? Lord, not Savior, Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead not to be Savior. He must be more than our Savior. He must become our Lord. He must be the one in charge. He must be the one to lead. He must be the one to rule our lives. And this is in the context of relationships. So let me say this, and then we'll get into the other things that Paul says here. You and I as Christians can primarily do relationships one of three ways. We either make relationships with other people, and in this context, our brothers and sisters in Christ, we either make them all about us, in other words, we approach our relationships with each other from a very selfish standpoint. And as I build and develop and maintain relationships with my brothers and sisters in Christ, my primary motivation and goal and focus is me. And therefore, I enter into relationships for primarily what I can get out of others, you see. And I, I navigate relationships where it's all about me. I don't take other people very much into consideration at all. It's primarily coming from a selfish, self-centered standpoint. That's one way we can choose to do relationships with each other. The second way we can do relationships with each other is to come from just the opposite direction. That in a sense, we are so desperate for relationships in our life and we want relationships with others that we totally sacrifice self, totally, and we enter into relationships just trying to do everything the other person wants or what we think they want. And we become someone who's totally people-pleasing driven to where it's never about me. And I'm always the one to give. And I'm always the one to give in. And it's totally wrapped around what the other person always wants. And I'm never considered at all. So obviously, you got those two extremes and all kinds of things within the middle. Or as we just read in Romans 14, the way God wants us to do relationships with each other is to reject both of those extremes and to let Him rule and control our relationships with each other. You see? And only when we let God be the Lord in our relationships and do relationships as He's leading as he's guiding, as he's given us direction, only then can we really have great relationships that can be sustained over the long haul with each other. Because if we get off of him being the Lord of our relationships and we don't do relationships God's way, then we're going to end up in some degree or another falling into those other two ways of doing relationships. Either we're going to start doing relationships where it's about me and self 
and what I can get, or we're going to do relationships about give, 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 and begin to have that, whether it's ever outwardly manifested or not, that inner resentment that's going to build up and start to tear down relationships in time because we are viewing this other person as they're always the one to get for me and I never get anything in return and it's one-sided one way or the other. The only way we can maintain balance in our relationships and God has talked to us already in Romans about there's got to be even within the body of Christ this modeling of mutual love for each other. Mutual affection, mutual sacrifice, mutual service, mutual encouragement. In other words, God never intends for his people to be part of a church, a body of believers, relationships with other Christians, where it's all one-sided one way or the other. Because then we clearly know God's not the Lord in those relationships. And so Paul's going to give us some great principles that go back and are founded on what he just said. That Jesus Christ died and returned to life so that he could be Lord. And again, that verse is in the context of our relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ. With that said, let's go back to verse 1 of chapter 14 and begin to set forth some of these principles. Now, we're not going to go down through this chapter verse by verse. But what I am going to do is pick out the things that Paul emphasized in this chapter that deal with our relationships with each other. The other verses that we won't look at are simply, in a sense, reinforcing the principles that Paul lays down that we are going to look at this morning. So in a sense, they're just supporting what Paul's already saying. So we're not really missing anything. Verse 1, Paul says to Christians, Now receive the one who is weak in the faith. And do not have disputes over differing opinions. First of all, Paul is reminding us as Christians that if we are part of a body and God wants us to be part of a body that's bigger than us, he says, you realize that in that body, all of you are going to be at different different levels spiritually. Not, Not any two people, any two Christians in any group is ever going to be at the same level of their spiritual maturity and growth. We're all going to be on different levels. And so one of the things Paul is saying is this. You and I, from God's perspective, have got to let him be Lord. And we've got to be willing to be part of a group where we're all on different levels. And where we don't expect the same thing from everyone. And especially here, he's talking to those who consider themselves stronger in the faith. He says, open up your heart and be willing to be a friend and associate with those who are weaker in the faith. Those whose faith is more fragile, who have not grown yet maybe as much as you, who have not matured as much as you. Be willing to open yourselves up to them because how can they ever become strong in the faith if those who are strong in the faith always reject and separate themselves from those who are weaker in the faith. In fact, he says, and make sure those of you that are stronger, that you don't start associating and befriending people that you think are weaker in the faith just so you can dispute with them and try to force your opinions about all these things in the Christian life on them. God says, that's not the way to do relationships if I'm Lord. 
It's not about developing friendships and relationships with people so somehow we can get them to follow how we look at all these things. Because what Paul's also saying here is regardless of whether we're at different levels of our spiritual growth or not, we are all unique creations of God. And even two Christians who've been Christians for 30 years are at times going to look at things differently. And if we can't learn to be part of a smaller group and a larger group of brothers and sisters in Christ where we can allow other Christians to have different opinions on things than us, then Paul's saying, you're not letting God be the Lord of your life in relationships. You've got to be bigger than that. We've got to be bigger than that. We've got to be willing to allow other Christians to be a part of our life and to associate with them and be friends with them and do life with them, even though we may have differing opinions about things. Now, in the context, obviously, he uses things in his culture that were dividing Christians and separating them. Some Christians were saying it's okay to eat everything. Other Christians were because they were trying to honor the Lord. They were restrictive in their diet. And Paul says, you're allowing these things to separate you as Christians? How are we being a testimony to the world, those that don't know Christ, if we can't even get along with each other? Then he talks about one Christian observes one day more special than other days. Other Christians just see every day as honoring to the Lord, and so they, you know, observe all days equal. These are the supportive things that Paul's talking all around this verse, but the principle is this. Let me give you a modern day illustration of this. One of the most divisive things in local churches is music. And you will have Christians that because it's too loud, too soft, too fast, too slow, too this, too that, that's how they choose. And the thing is, when Christians get to that level, to where they will even choose a local church based upon music, and yet if they go to that church and they fit with the music, they're also going to end up sacrificing five other things. Because you and I aren't ever going to be able to be part of a local church or any body of believers where, again, we're going to have everything done with all these diverse Christians and it's always going to be done the way I want it done or the way I like it. That's never going to happen. And that's why I know, too, that we are living in what I call a, a real crisis time in Christianity because many Christians stay away from church. For that very reason. That, well, I don't like the way everything is done here, so I'm just not going to go at all. Because it's almost like, well, you know how they approach church? Just how they approach their relationship. It's got to be about me. It's got to be the way I want it all the time. And they cannot coexist with people of differing opinions. They don't even want to be around people who have different opinions because they're not letting Jesus be the Lord and showing them that it's actually healthy and good for us and the way God designed it and planned it for us to be part of diverse group of people, even our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why he goes on to say that then both begin to look at each other and judge or be critical of one another. He says, you better be careful that you don't look down on your brother and sister in Christ just because they have a different opinion than you do, you see. And so he goes on there. Then next, notice what Paul says in verse 5. 
He says, one person does regard one day holier than other days, another regards them all alike. Here's the principle. Each Christian must be fully convinced in his own mind. That's what God intends. God says, here's the problem. Many times we're trying to force our opinions on other people. And Paul is saying here, and it's not even a conviction. In other words, you lean that way. It's more of a preference. You like things a certain way. But it's not really a settled conviction that you and I have established through the Holy Spirit and through our own study of the Word of God. In other words, what Paul's saying is many times we don't even let conviction separate us. We're letting mere opinions separate us. And Paul says, how sad is that? Because Paul says, if you are going to have strong spiritual convictions, and God wants us to have strong spiritual convictions. He says, shouldn't those convictions be those things that we develop in our own personal relationship and study of the Word of God, and we're not trying to live off of somebody else's convictions? And yet that's the way many Christians live today. Why do you believe what you believe? Well, because that's what I was taught. What about you? What what, what do you believe, though, about that? Have you come to a place where you're not just parroting what someone else thinks? You're not just going along with the peer pressure that this is what everybody believes, but you you have genuinely, sincerely come to a settled conviction about something, and you can base that conviction on your study of the Word of God and on the leading of the Holy Spirit. Paul's saying, sad to say, many people aren't even fully convinced in their own minds about things, and yet they try to impose those things on other believers. Paul says, that's not letting Jesus be the Lord of our relationships. In fact, he says in this context, notice verse 12. Therefore, each of us will give an account of himself to God. And notice again the context of this verse. Don't take this verse out of the context that it's in. This verse is smack dab in the center of a chapter teaching Christians how to get along with each other. How to have relationships with each other. So as we interpret it and apply it to our lives, let's apply it consistently. What this verse is reminding us of is one of the things we're going to be held accountable before God for in our lives is how did we do our relationships with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ? We're going to have to give God an explanation or an answer of why we did certain things or didn't do certain things, especially in the context of our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's how important relationships are to God. That's how important our relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ should be to us. When we realize, in a sense, the magnitude that God places relationships on, if you will, the level that God places them on. That right in the middle of this chapter on principles of how to get along with each other and navigate long-term relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ, Paul said, oh, and you realize we're going to have to give an account for our relationship, which built on last week about we don't have all this time in the world. It's like Paul is saying, there's not much time to get these relationships right. 
Our life is going to be over real soon. So it's high time that we work on doing this God's way. And doing our relationships with each other, making Jesus the Lord. Instead of doing them about us, or doing them totally about others. Only the Lord can provide the perfect balance that's necessary in good relationships. That's why then in verse 13, Paul gives the next principle. And basically, I've summarized what Paul's saying here in verse 13 this way. Get out of each other's way. Listen to what Paul says. Therefore, we must not pass judgment on one another, but rather determine never to place an obstacle or a trap before a brother or sister. These words talk about uh, impeding the progress of someone. They were words that were used in Paul's day, like in the Olympic Games, where there would be a runner running down the road and some runner would sort of cut in and slow that runner down and impede their progress. Paul's saying we've got to make sure too in our relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ that we're not in any way holding back our brothers and sisters in Christ. Man, if they're on fire for God, let them go and let God take them where he wants to instead of us maybe not being on fire as much for God as we should be and not wanting to see Christians go by us and sort of continuing to throw things in their way to keep them back with us. Let me give you a specific example that I have seen over 30 years of ministry. And this is just one, folks, just one small example. But I use it because I've seen it quite often. And that is, I'm going to speak right now to parents. I have seen parents through the years who have, I believe, held back their son or daughter from following God's will for their life because it wasn't what they wanted for their children. That maybe God was calling their son or daughter to be a pastor, a worship leader, a children's director, a youth pastor, a ministry leader, a missionary. And the parents were like, and please, I'm not... not downing these professions at all. I'm just saying that I think you'll hear my heart. The parents are like, oh, I want my son or daughter to be a doctor or a lawyer. Because in their minds, it was all about worldly success and worldly wealth and making sure that their kids were, you know, going to be okay. But you start talking about a career in ministry? I don't know. And parents would be like, Johnny, you, you don't really want to do that, do you? You... You know, missionary? I'd never see you. So it's more important, you know, again, relationship more about self than it is letting that child go and follow what God's will is for their life. That's what Paul's talking about here. Because that's something that we should never do as Christians with each other is in any way hold back or get in the way of God's will for each other's lives. And if God wants to take someone, whether it's a child or whatever, somewhere, and he has a plan or purpose for their life, then we should never be the ones to hold them back and discourage them from following God. Because God's plan and God's will is always going to be best for all of us anyway. And that's being pretty selfish. Selfish. When it comes to our relationships, even with our own children. 
Then notice what he goes on to say in verse 16 or 17, excuse me. He goes on to say, the kingdom of God does not consist of food and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This verse is teaching another principle, and that is as Christians, we need to start focusing on what I call the eternals rather than the externals. Many would say today, don't major on minor things, major on the major things. And that's how relationships can get skewed. Whenever we start making something really important that from God's perspective isn't important. In other words, in this context, there were Christians that were separating from each other and staying away from each other and avoiding each other because of their stances and their opinions on food and drink. And God is saying through the the Apostle Paul, really? You're going to make your differences about food and drink separate you? Shouldn't you be focused on more important things? Shouldn't you be focused on the big things that God considers big rather than allowing the little things that maybe you think are big to come between you? And we all need to pause here because there's not a one of us that at times doesn't allow things that really aren't that important to come between us. We can do that as husbands and wives. We can do that as brothers and sisters. We can do that with our friendships. We, can, we just do that in our relationships. Sometimes we let, if we, if we were able to step back a little bit, we let things get in the way that aren't important. Now, sometimes they are important. But that's not where Paul's coming from in this context. He's simply looking at it from the other side. Don't let those things that really aren't important separate you or divide you. Focus on the eternals, not the externals. Then in verse 19, next principle. So then, let us pursue. This word means to run after eagerly and earnestly. In other words, don't just just casually and passively try to be peacemakers and maintain and, and bring harmony and peace to the situation. Run after peace. Pursue it with everything you've got and for building up one another. The principle is simply this. We as Christians must learn to get along with each other or else we will never benefit from each other. In other words, We'll never allow other Christians to build us up and sort of encourage our Christian growth if we're not willing to put up and and work through things with one another. You see, can't have both. And God's plan is for us to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ so that we can build each other up. Well, then that presupposes I've got to learn to get along with my brothers and sisters in Christ because God wants me to be around you so you can benefit me. And God wants me to be around you so that I can benefit you. But if we can't learn to get along and pursue peace with each other, how are we ever going to build each other up? The only way we do this is to let Jesus be Lord. Because if we start coming at relationships from what I want, self, 
or from whatever the other person always wants with a total disregard for me, relationships will never work and never be sustained. Any of you who've had long-lasting relationships with anybody in your life, you know these principles are true. Because the only way that relationship's still going is because both of you have had to have some give and take. It couldn't be one way or the other. There had to be times, which leads to this very important principle as well. Notice what he says in verse 22. The faith you have, keep to yourself before God. Now, folks, in this context, he's not talking about not sharing our faith. We're encouraged all the time in the Bible to share the gospel and to share our faith, if you will, with others. But in this context, this word means our personal convictions. In other words, God is saying, if you even have those convictions, keep them to yourself. I didn't bring you into this group of people or to this body so that you could somehow impose your convictions on everybody else and make everybody else look like you. That's not what the body is. That's why God uses the metaphor of a body for his church and says, look, in a body, there's going to be a hand. There's going to be an arm. There's going to be a leg. There's going to be a foot. There's going to be an eye. There's going to be all these different parts and no part is the same because all of you have a different function. And that's why I created you all unique. What I do want you to do, God says is let me be the Lord so that even though there's all this uniqueness and diversity, you can come together and only by me can you be unified. Because if you come at it from yourself or from somebody else's self, you will never experience unity. You'll never experience the supernatural unity and peace and harmony that only God can bring to a diverse group and unique group of people. Which, can I say, is one of the reasons why the local church and why church in general isn't having the impact as history moves on that it could have and should have. Because those without Christ look at churches as just a group of people that can't get along with each other. And are always walking away from relationships and getting upset with each other and don't know how to work through things. And because things just aren't exactly the way they want them in that church, they go from this church to that church to this church to this. Where's God in all that? See, the testimony before those that don't know God is that these people continue to love each other, serve each other, be in relationship with each other, despite their differences. With all this uniqueness and diversity running rampant, and yet somehow they can be in harmony and unity with each other. How do you as a human being explain that other than God? And that's the testimony. That's when people just scratch their head and go, I don't have an explanation for that. I wonder if there is a God. Because I, I don't have any other explanation for all these people being able to come together and do this in a harmonious, peaceful, unified way other than God. And then he says this, sort of full circle. He says, blessed is the one, verse 22, who does not judge himself by what he approves. 
But the man who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not do so from faith. And whatever is not from faith is sin. The principle Paul is saying here to each of us is this. That yes, in any relationship, we're going to have to sacrifice and give a little and compromise a little or that relationship will never last. But there's also a point in any relationship That God does not want us to cross over and, in a sense, lose ourselves and not be true to ourselves and who God made us to be. And that's what he's describing here. A person who continually fights within themselves and isn't at rest within themselves because they're always trying to be in a relationship where they're trying to please the other person and and because they're always giving and because they're always compromising who they are, they don't even know who they are anymore. And they're at total unrest with themselves. Because the only way they've ever known to do relationships is to, in a sense, give up themselves. And yet that that inner stuff in there doesn't go away. It gnaws at us, especially if we're a Christian. God will continue because God says, you're not being true to who I created you to be. You're giving up yourself totally For other relationships. See, when God brings people together and does relationships His way, we never have to give up who He created us to be. And we never have to be untrue to ourselves. And yet we can still live in a community of diversity and uniqueness that is different than us. And we can still cooperate and and get along with each other and come together and get things accomplished for God's glory. But it's only when God is Lord, it's only when Jesus is Lord of our lives that that can happen. Or else we end up going to one extreme or the other. And that's why Paul brings it full circle. He starts out in verse 1 saying, don't start separating and dividing yourself just because you have a difference of opinion over some. Allow differences. But then he ends the chapter by saying, but don't also get to the point where you got so much unrest within yourself because you lose yourself all the time in every relationship and you're not true to yourself. If that's your conviction and that's your belief, then you need to balance that out with, again, learning from God's leading, what do I live or die over? And I think from God's perspective, what he's saying is far too many Christians down through history live or die in relationships over way too much or allow things that really in the scheme of eternity a million years from now 10 million years from now why did we allow that to divide us and separate us isn't there the bigger picture and see what paul's trying to get us to see is the bigger picture is the lordship of jesus christ and glorifying him so there are times where i've got to be willing to sacrifice self For the good of the whole. That's true in families. That's true in marriages. That's true again in any relationship. Sometimes I have to be willing to give. But what Paul ends this chapter by saying is, but it should never be that you're always the one giving and you're the one losing yourself either. Because God made you a certain way and God wants you to be true to the way he created you and the plan and purpose he has for your life. And that's the only way to balance that is when Jesus is Lord. When Jesus is Lord.
I love you all. And I, and I love our church. And I love the love and care and affection and the relationships that we have been building here at this church. But I think like any relationship, and this is true no matter how great a relationship you have in life, we can get to a place in all of our lives where we begin to take each other for granted or take what we have for granted. And God has been impressing upon me that one of the things that I'm seeing and that I'm not going to sit back passively as the pastor and just sort of let it happen or let it work its way out. We're going to jump into the arena and, and we're going to do what we can do, obviously, with God's leading and God's help to not keep this going this way, is that there is somewhat of a spirit of malaise and taking what we have at the Oasis for granted and taking each other for granted that may have settled into some of us recently. And it's time for us to sort of do a gut check and go, I need to allow God to reinvigorate me. I need to get recommitted because I've sort of just been on automatic pilot for a while and relationships don't, they don't thrive on automatic pilot. We've got to be intentional, purposeful, focused on making relationships what God wants them to be and letting Him be the Lord. And the only way to do that isn't just sitting back and just hoping it'll happen. Because relationships just don't happen. They take a lot of intense effort and work. And if any group of people on earth should be willing to work and do whatever it takes to build and maintain meaningful, sustaining relationships in our lives, it should be the child of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Because He, Jesus, died and returned to life so that he could be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Let's pray. God, I pray today that we would allow you to be the Lord in our relationships. That God, as we approach one another and as we approach our relationships with each other, that it wouldn't come from the perspective of self and us and what we can get out of it, nor should we approach our relationships with others by what we always give and always give in and never receive. We need to have a balance in our relationship with others. And we need to let you rule and reign over our relationships. And so, God, I pray today that as we sing this song of I Surrender All, that maybe there's a relationship, God, in our lives that we need to lay down, commit to You. Maybe we need to commit ourselves to doing a relationship Your way rather than our way. Whatever that looks like, God, especially in the context of Romans 14 today, would you help us keep that in mind today as we sing the words of this song? God, thank you 
that your intention was never just to be our Savior. Your intention and purpose and design from the foundation of the world was that you would be our Lord. That you rule. You call the shots. You lead. In everything in our life. Especially in our relationships. Because they are most important to you. May they be as important to us, God, as they are to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.